Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's time to talk some hoops. It's down the lane and throws it down with two hands. Let's talk about the team chasing a championship in 2020. Down for the steal. Giannis all the way. It's the Milwaukee Basketball Hour with Bill Michaels and former Milwaukee Buck and Marquette sharpshooter Steve Novak. Shoots the three at the horn and he banked it in. Loaded up for another three. Got it. It's not where the Milwaukee Bucks wanted to be. As a matter of fact, the Bucks are 0-18 all time when they start off a series in the postseason. 0-2. Welcome. It is the uh, Milwaukee Basketball Hour. I'm Bill Michaels. I uh, hope to be joined here shortly by uh, Steve Novak. And uh, coming up a little bit later on tonight, Sidney Moncrief is going to be here as well. But uh, it is this is not the way the Bucks wanted things to start off. Uh, they wanted to reassert themselves, if not in that opening game. Certainly last night they were going to do that, right? The turnovers will be minimalized, and, and they were to a certain extent. Uh, but the defense of the Miami Heat has just overwhelmed the Bucks, taken them out of their game. Uh, and when it came to hitting big shots or needed shots, the Bucks just weren't able to convert. And uh, that's ultimately what happened last night yet again. And I called it hustle and muscle. It just seemed like uh, they had uh, they had more hustle. They had more muscle. They played a physical game that he did. And uh, as far as getting to the point, getting to the stop, fighting through screens, things that they set up offensively, it just seemed like the Bucks. We're just a little bit slow. Joined now by uh, Steve Novak uh, from Fox Sports Wisconsin, former Buck himself. And, uh, Steve, I, I tweeted that out. I just said it's hustle and muscle, and it just seemed like uh, the Heat were to the point of, of execution just a half step quicker than the Bucks were last night. And uh, this uh, it didn't bode well for the Bucks last evening. No, it didn't. And you're right. You know, you have to give Miami credit. They they are playing with with a ton of intensity and they're, they're closing when it matters, and it's playoff time, and I think that all of that is expected. But um, after two games, I do think you're right. You, you have to look at the Miami Heat a little bit differently as than a, than a five seed. I think this matchup has been tough on the Milwaukee Bucks, and you know I think you watch the Bucks all season, and you think they're the best defensive team in the league. They got the number one ranking there 
you know, they got the most dominant paint score. They're one of the top three-point shooting teams. Like, yeah, I'm hearing all this talk about Miami. They're tough. They're good. You know, but so are the Milwaukee Bucks. And so I think once the series started and the Bucks are down 0-1, you go, all right, well, it's a unique basketball environment. This is the bubble. There's been a four-and-a-half-month layoff. The seeding games were kind of strange. But even the Orlando series, you think to yourself, is this really playoff basketball yet? And I think it now feels like playoff basketball. The Miami Heat are playing playoff basketball. Jimmy Butler had 40 points in game one and had 15 in the fourth quarter and was unstoppable. Um, and I think that there is certainly a different intensity level that the Miami Heat is playing with, and they seem to be getting their way. I mean, the, the Bucks. the scariest part to me is the Bucks have not played bad basketball the last two games. After game one, I thought, this Bucks team is, this was a good game. They play well. Chris Middleton at 28, Brooke Lopez 24, Giannis has 18, 10, and 9. He's assist away from a triple-double. And I guess I looked at that really two ways, I guess, is are the Milwaukee Bucks playing good basketball and they're going to be fine? It's just one loss. Or was it, look, Middleton at 28, Lopez at 24, Giannis almost had a triple-double and they lost. So are the Miami Heat that good? And in game two, it did feel like the Miami Heat are that good. So they've got their back against the wall right now. And let's be honest, it's as much of a must win as it could really possibly be. Going down 0-3 is pretty much a guarantee that the series ends poorly. So 0-2 now, let's not get ahead of ourselves. But this Heat team is is playing good basketball. And they have not lost a game yet uh, down there in Orlando when it comes to the postseason. Hey, I wanted to ask you, Dragic has dropped 20 points in six consecutive playoff games. That's something Dwayne Way, LeBron James, Andre Iguodala, you know, you talk about all these different different guys that have been able to do this in Heat history, but he's up there in rare air right now. And last night he got off to a very, very hot start. I thought the Bucks would come out and kind of reassert themselves, much like they did in Game 2 against Orlando. I thought they would come out with this different energy. What I saw last night, Steve, and you can attest to this better, I was watching a team that when they were trying to go through screens, two guys ended up on the screener looking at one another. But yet when you saw it with the Miami Heat, the Heat fought through screens. I mean, they stayed with their guy. There was not a lot of switching off going on. Is that communication? Is that mentality? What? Because last night that left some open looks for the Heat, and it left some guys, I think, standing around for the Milwaukee Bucks. You know, I found when I played that the, the times when you were great defensively were when you were doing things that were habitual, that, that were completely of habit. So when I was with the Utah Jazz and Quinn Snyder is the coach and our defense was reamed into us every single practice. The first thing we did, we would take the court and we would do this transition drill where you get back, you make sure you beat the ball back down as fast as you can. You're screaming at each other, get back, get back, get back, cover the rim. Then you cover the perimeter. And essentially the drill was sprint back, everybody get matched up. And then as soon as you do, the action would come down the court and you would try to keep the ball on whichever side of the court the ball was on, on that side of the court. It sounds really juvenile and, and, and simple, but that was the base of our defense in Utah was if the ball's on the left side of the court, keep the ball on the left side of the court. And so that's what the big guys are yelling. They're yelling channel, channel, channel. We're keeping it to the left side. If it's on the right side, we're yelling channel, channel, channel. We're keeping it on the right side. And so I, I tend to find that Miami is very much a, a defense similar to how Quinn Snyder coaches. They don't really change their defense that much on how they guard guys. They get the guys that can play in their system. 
they don't apologize if they lose a game because a team made a bunch of corner threes because their defense is to stop the ball, be heavy on where the action is, make sure you're showing your numbers, and they've got a lot of guys that take up a lot of room and give away that furthest pass. They're going to rotate all the way to that furthest pass. And if you can get the ball to the corner, to the open guy, they're willing to lose that way. But they're so heavy with defense and action and activity and, and defense on the ball side that a lot of times the ball never even gets to that corner man. And that's what they depend on. And so I think that, you know, the Miami Heat, they are a habitual defense in the Bucks' defense. The Bucks have been fantastic defensively all year as well. And so, you know, it, it does come down to communi- communication. If the Bucks know what they're doing, but they're not communicating with each other, you know, it can look bad. And so I think in some of those instances where you say, you know, there were plays where the Bucks seemed to think one guy thought they were switching, the other guy thought they were staying on their own. A lot of times if you're a good defense, you can do both things and have the freedom to call it. But if you don't call it and there's no good communication, obviously in a quiet gym like the bubble is, I mean, there's really no reason not to be able to hear each other. So that that's what it appeared to be um, from from my perspective was just simple communication because the Bucks have proven. I mean, the guys that got out there are elite level defenders and they have been all year. Chris Middleton last night talked about how this uh, this Miami Heat team made, makes it very, very tough on him and Giannis. You know, playoffs is going to be tough. Sometimes the game is going to slow down. Uh, you know, I think we're a better team playing, you know, a little bit more up-tempo, but I think we still have a great team to play in our half-court offensively. We have a lot of talented, talented guys, uh, guys that can play inside and out, drive, kick, all that type of stuff. So we just got to be better in our half-court offense. So there you go, Chris Middleton after the game. A lot of criticism uh, today, Steve, via fans heaped on Coach Bud. Uh, adjustments or lack thereof. What did they do different? What did you see that this team has done differently in game two versus game one? You know, I think what I really saw in game one was Giannis let the game, he really let the game come to him, and I and he was criticized. He had 18 points, 10 rebounds, 9 assists, and he let the game come to him. And after the game, he was asked, you know, what, what happened? How did you guys lose? You know, why were you not more aggressive? You didn't get enough shots in the fourth quarter. All fine. He's the he's the MVP. He's the most dominant player on the Bucks team. But, so fine. But Giannis, to his credit, and, and uh, you know, to answer your question, to Coach Bud's credit, they recognize who Giannis is. Giannis is a dominant paint scorer. He is one of the most elite defenders the game has ever seen. The, the Miami Heat are really good defending on the interior. And so Giannis knew in the Orlando series, he needed to start shooting some threes. He needed to really focus on his free throws. He understood that this upcoming Miami series was going to be different. And he approached the game, I felt like game one, that way. And he got criticism for it. So, And there was blame on Coach, Bl- on Coach Bud. I, I really looked at it like the Heat played a better game and Giannis was not to blame. He understood if they're going to beat the Miami Heat, it's not going to be by Giannis running over Jimmy Butler, Jay Crowder, Bam Adebayo, Andre Iguodala. They've got guys that can be in Giannis's way and really make it hard. And so Giannis said, I understand that, Coach Bud, I'm buying in. I'm going to move the rock. Guys are going to get shots. Brooke Lopez has 24. Middleton has 28. Giannis is, if so, some of those guys made a few more shots. Giannis has got 13, 14 assists in that game. They win, and Giannis is unselfish and high IQ, and Coach Bud's game plan is perfect. So, you know, I, and I think I would imagine Coach Bud sees it that way and thinks there's not a huge adjustment that, the, that needs to take place. And I would tend to agree with that after game one. 
And so Giannis was more aggressive. I think he maybe did have a flame lit under him because of some of the questions and some of the national media. And, you know, I don't know all what he's hearing, but the adjustment to me was Giannis did come out with more of a, I'm going to try to will victory for the Milwaukee Bucks. And he was highly successful at 29 points. He made, you know, almost all of his free throws. So I thought he played a really good game. And, you know, the Miami Heat, to their credit, matched a lot of it. Drajic, who you just talked about, 29, 27 in the first game, 23 in the next, and they're easy. I mean, he's taking just flow of the offense shots. He's in transition. He's hitting floaters and threes. And so the Heat have weapons too. And so I, I don't, I didn't see a, a dramatic adjustment, but when you've got the Milwaukee Bucks lineup out there and your coach Bud, I wasn't expecting to see some triangle in one or some some triangle in, in two or some box in one out there. This is an elite group of defenders. Middleton guarding Jimmy Butler or George Hill guarding Jimmy Butler or Giannis. I know a lot of people wanted to see that, guarding Jimmy Butler. None of that is crazy, but it's also, there's no way that only one of those guys or Wesley Matthews should be blamed or tasked with with that. And so I think a lot of the criticism, um, although they've lost two games, so fine. I think that's there's fair arguments, but I think a lot of the criticism has certainly been that they lost. They've got to change something. It's, they're, they're doing something wrong. The Heat need to be given some credit. They're playing great basketball. This is the Milwaukee Basketball Hour featuring Steve Novak. I'm Bill Michaels, brought to you by our friends at Network Health, a hometown advantage. And on the hotline is Steve, as a matter of fact. And we're going to hear from Sidney Moncrief coming up a little bit later on in the program. Kessler Diamond's a big sponsor also, Wisconsin Athletic Hall of Fame and Lammy Sports Management. You can always find us on all the social media platforms at MKE B-Ball Hour, at MKE B-Ball Hour. Speaking of Miami's defense, uh, we heard from Chris Middleton, Giannis, also talks about the defense that Miami threw up against him. I'm going to try to get myself in the corner, just um, try to give, give the defenders different looks. You know, my teammates have been helping me with that, you know, um, finding me in different uh, areas on the court. Uh, but at the end of the day, I just got to keep being aggressive. No matter where I'm on the court, I got to keep being aggressive. So there you go. Got to keep being aggressive. So we'll talk a little bit more about this and about what Steve touched on coming up here in just a couple of moments. Stay tuned. We're going to talk more about that. And Giannis either on the inside or the outside. And we'll discuss his shooting and also what is up with the bench. We'll get into that discussion as well. That is all coming up next on the Milwaukee Basketball Hour. Everywhere in Wisconsin, the Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network. All right, 4.3, Miami inbounds. Here's Butler with three, Butler with two, with one. Butler against Matthews, gets it away, and no good. Do we have a foul? We do. A foul is called, and Jimmy Butler can win it at the line. Another jump shooter fouled. Let's see if it's Matthews or Giannis who they get. And they're going to look, too, to make sure that Butler got it off in time. And also, with the clock going to zeros, okay? How much time's on the clock when the foul occurred here? Is it Giannis? Where's the foul there? The Bucks use their challenge already. They get Giannis for the foul. Let's see the left hand here. Does he he make contact there, puts it on the body of the shooter, Jimmy Butler? Let's see if he gets it away. Just make sure that he gets it away at a time. It it appeared that he did, and yep, it's definitely out of his hand. And there's the contact. And the rest is history. The foul, 
Butler. Giannis gets it. It was ticky-tack, and uh, we're joined now by Steve Novak, and uh, this is the Milwaukee Basketball Hour. I'm Bill Michaels. We are glad to have you along. The Bucks down two games to none in the series in the semis. We are brought to you by our friends at Network Health, Kessler Diamonds, the Wisconsin Athletic Hall of Fame, and Lammy Sports Management. And Steve, uh, I, I've heard it all day. I know from Bucks fans they feel they got jobbed, but I was listening to a national and even national writers and reporters and commentators say, look, uh, that was ticky-tack, and you got to swallow the whistle on that kind of a play. Do you agree? A hundred percent. I mean, look, did Miami play well enough to win the game? They absolutely did, and did it come down to that one last play? Yeah, it did, and so I, I, I think that on a play like that in game two of the second round in that hard of fought a game to be decided by Giannis putting his hand, not he didn't push him. We've watched it a hundred times. He didn't push him. He didn't hit him before he shot. He was after he shot the ball, he put his hand on his jersey basically and gave him two free throws to make one to win the game with no time. To me, you have got to let the, the players decide the game. It doesn't mean if there's a dramatic foul, you don't have to call it. You got to call a big time foul. Slaps him in the wrist, affects his shot, ruined his chance to win it for his team. You got to call it. It was not that. That is a foul. It, that was a touch that can clearly be let go and is a million times. And in the second round, in the second game of that hard fought game, you let the players decide the outcome by putting five more minutes on the clock and saying maybe it was a foul, maybe it wasn't. In my opinion, it wasn't even. It, it wasn't even really close especially in that setting, but letting the players decide with five minutes on the clock, let's just see. Let's just see who, who, who's better now in these five minutes. In the playoffs, it just feels like it ha- that had to go that way, and it didn't, and I think it's tough. And there was a play right before that that, you know, Drajic got called for going under Chris Middleton. The difference to me between the call they called on Giannis, that was a touch, and the foul they called on Drajic was there has been a clear importance put on when a shooter goes up in the air if you do not give him the opportunity to land it is an automatic foul whether you mean to whether it's your foot whether it's your knee there's an importance that's been put on that for a couple seasons now and it was called earlier in that game on Kyle Korver his foot was there it wasn't even looking at the play Kyle got called for it so to me there's a clear difference between a foul that has been the prioritized and one that is really at the end of a playoff game just not even, not even should be should not be considered a foul. Um, this is what Coach Bud had to say regarding that final play and regarding the officiating. Take a listen. Um, I would say we're disappointed uh, with the judgment, with the decision, the timing. Um, it's a tough job. I have a lot of respect for the officials and the crew tonight. Um, it's not an easy job, and of course, you know we have our way of seeing things and. Uh, we're going to disagree, um, but we need to, you know, um, shift our attention to game three and get prepared for that and, um, you know, understand that that's, uh, that's the most important thing right now. So he was criticized today for not really venting and maybe even going Jason Kidd and getting a fine trying to protect his guy and, and prevent a, a call like that against Steve. Is it because, and I'd said this at the beginning of my show today, is it because maybe they're in a bubble and everybody's kind of living together, so to speak, not that they're intermingling with the referees on a daily basis, but that you know you got to see these guys again at some point and you're trying not to ruffle feathers or, or what? Because it seemed like that was an opportunity to say, damn it, you need to swallow the whistle in a place like that. Your, your quick whistle cost us a game. 
You know, my my thought is because Coach Bud is always extremely complimentary of the opposing teams. He, I think he, he really truly does. It seems like every time he speaks, he has respect for the other coach. He has respect for the energy and the effort the other team puts out there on every night. And he usually comments on that. And I, and I genuinely, when you listen to him, you can tell, look, he's being classy. He's not going overboard and saying, like, I'm going to lose it and I'm going to try to make a point. In my opinion, it, 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 it appears, to, I would guess, come from a place of, look, the Milwaukee Bucks had 14 turnovers. The Milwaukee Bucks made seven threes in that game. The Miami Heat made 17 threes. There were turnovers late in the game that are huge, giving giving the Miami Heat extra possessions in a tight game like that, that to maybe lose your mind on a call at the end like that would make him look like he lost perspective of the fact that there's so many things that the Bucks can do better. And, you know, and it's not like the Heat didn't battle just as hard. They were, he were up by six points with 19.8 seconds left. And so the dramatic flurry by the Bucks to come back down six with 19.8 seconds was impressive. But at the same time, you go, holy cow, the Bucks are in it at the end after being down that much with 20 seconds to go. So I think it's, it's, it's his perspective coming out and showing, hey, look, this series is not over. We can learn from this. We can do a lot more things right. And that call is not what cost us the game. We could have done a lot of other things a lot better. I also want to ask you about the bench, and we were discussing that before the break. Uh, DiVincenzo has struggled. Pat Connaughton has struggled. Irsan Ilyasova, you and I had him. It was our last uh, you know, Milwaukee basketball hour together before COVID hit. That was the last time we were out in public. Uh, we had him on. He was talking about the attitude and about how, you know, the depth of this team was going to win them a championship, how the starters would get you there. What has happened to this bench? What it was There's just something that it used to be every night somebody else was stepping up big. Right now you're searching for somebody to step up big. George Hill has played, played pretty well, but usually I've always said when George Hill comes in and starts to calm things down and scores a lot, it usually means that, your game has gone awry. I appreciate what he brings to the table, but you're not getting the threes from DiVincenzo. Pat Connaughton's not giving you those big-time quality minutes. What has happened to the bench in that rotation? You know, I think in game one, um, you know, Eric Bledsoe was out, so George Hill started. And so that is a, that, that already is a big knock on the bench's ability to come in. George is, is really that steady veteran guy who I think when he signed with the team, you thought to yourself, now, now that's a guy who in the playoffs can win this Bucks team a game. So I think in game one, you know, Kyle Korver led the team off the bench. He had 11 points, but you're right. It, it, it was quiet. And in game, in game two, it was G Hill coming off the bench because Bledsoe was back and, and George had 14 points. So, you know, you mentioned Dante and there's Urson and there's Pat and you're right. Those are all guys. Dante had a fantastic year. He looked like he was you know, almost peaking, come towards the end of the year. His confidence was high. He had started every game. There was a guy that was in the starting lineup that was injured. Dante was pretty much the guy who stepped in. He hasn't been able to really find that stroke or I think even consistent minutes. And, you know, Ursan, when he signed, there's no doubt he was a, a big lift for the Philadelphia 76ers in their, in their playoff run, you know, just before he got to the Bucks. So there's no doubt there's that expectation. And Pat Connaughton had runs in the playoffs last year against the Boston Celtics where he would score eight straight points in a big Boston game where you're like, that's exactly what we needed. We needed a spark off the bench, somebody coming in, banging down a couple threes, and he's a single, he's a one-man spark out there getting things going, and we we haven't seen that. And, you know, I don't think that 
the bench or the role guys are fully responsible for that. I think the guys like Giannis and Middleton have to recognize how important it is to have those guys involved. And I think they do. And it's vice versa, though. Those guys have to be ready to knock down shots and come in and do their job and understand it's not just on Giannis. It's not just on Middleton in a series like this. You know, the Bucks have got to resemble more of what the Miami Heat have done. They've got so many weapons. You've got Tyler Hero and Drajic and Olenek and, you know, all these guys that have really contributed at a high level. It's what makes the Heat, I think, at this point so good is just their their breadth of weaponry. Is it, and this is a question before we go to break, but is it the Heat and their defense, or is it the Bucks and just inconsistent trying to find their shot offense? You know, I think they go, they certainly go hand in hand. You know, I think to, to say that the Miami Heat don't deserve some credit for the, the defense they're playing, they're built, they're built to be disruptive. And when you look at the teams across the league in terms of the bodies that, that, that can guard Giannis, the Miami Heat, I would say, have four of maybe seven of the top seven guys, in my opinion, that could really disrupt Giannis one-on-one. I'm talking about Bam Adebayo. I mean, this guy's got a big chest on him. He moves his feet well. He's long. Jimmy Butler, big-time de- big time defender Jay Crowder's out there, you know, giving him a hard time. And Andre Iguodala, to be honest, it was a sweepstakes. Which playoff team is going to get him because he's going to help someone in the playoffs? In the Miami Heat, I think they're thinking, hold on, let's just look at how this could lay out. I don't doubt for a second that they signed him simply because of a Giannis Attentacumpo matchup. So, you know, I, I do. I think this Miami team is a tough matchup for the Bucks. But to be honest, anybody, and uh, you know, the Bucks are are certainly seeing that right now. Um, one more before I let you go, and that is, what adjustments would you make going into Game Three? I mean, I know Bud says you gotta. You got to let Giannis be Giannis, and and I know he's a tremendous players coach, and I know they love him. I just wanted to know what what do you do different? If you do anything different, do you try to get guys open, screen guys open? I mean, a couple of times they had some things where you know Middleton at the top of the key, Giannis brings it up. You see Middleton sweep the baseline, come all the way around, ends up getting a, a wide open three, got a good look. Do you do more of things like that, more set offense, or do you just kind of? hope that the defense begins to really spark the offense with fast break points. You know, you just honestly, to me, you said it. The defense has got to be the number one thing because if you're playing against a good defensive team, when the Bucks get stops, Giannis, whether it's there's one guy back, two guys back, three guys back, if they're in transition, it's different than two or three guys back. Giannis has the ability to score in transition every time if he's running with guys. But if there's guys back already, it's a whole different deal, especially with Miami. So to me... The Bucks getting stops, holding the Miami Heat to a lower field goal percentage, however you'd want to summarize it, it gets the Bucks out in transition. Bledsoe, was a, I thought he was a great spark coming back in game two, but getting out in transition, getting easier looks, not having to work so hard, Giannis not drawing offensive fouls, being at an advantage, to me, it, it's, it's really where it starts for me. And then I, I honestly think the turnovers, they're a killer. If you're trying to, you're down 0-2, if you don't take care of the ball, if you're giving a, a good team like Miami extra possessions and sometimes in some games it's it's a lot more i mean the bucks are the the last team the 16th out of 16 teams in the playoffs right now in turnovers 17 a game you know that's just that's too many and then i also think you know these aren't dramatic adjustments these are mindsets and things the, the bucks can do but getting Giannis the ball in the right spot so if we're in the half the bucks are in the half court it can't be just ISO where he goes one-on-one and tries to run a guy over the heat are onto it they're willing to put three guys on Giannis. they've proven that 
And so running that pick and roll, getting offensive action where he's on a, a cleared outside with one guy to beat. And if someone helps, Giannis can see it easily and make the make the easy pass. I think, you know, Coach Bud's out of timeouts and, and a lot of his plays work so perfectly. And I think seeing more of that, of him getting the ball in those right spots with easy recognition of where the help's going to come from um, is is really key going into game three. Great stuff, Steve. Appreciate it. I know you got a golf tournament to, to finish attending, and we'll talk to Sidney Moncrief coming up. Uh, good stuff as always, and we'll talk again next Thursday, September 10th, okay? Sounds great. We'll talk to you then. Appreciate it, pal. There you go. Steve Novak, and he was joining us on the Network Health Hometown Advantage Hotline. Steve Novak and all of our guests call in the Network Health Hometown Advantage Hotline. Advantage Health Plan, your hometown Advantage Health Plan. When we come back, Sir Sid is going to join us. Sidney Moncrief is going to give us his perspective when it comes to the postseason, when it comes to your back being up against the wall, character being revealed, all that kind of good stuff. We are brought to you by Network Health, Kessler's Diamonds, Wisconsin Athletic Hall of Fame, and Lammy Sports Management. I'm Bill Michaels. More of the Milwaukee Basketball Hour coming up next. Wisconsin-wide, the Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network. Bucks fall to the Heat 116-114 yesterday on a couple of free throws by Jimmy Butler after time had expired. A foul by Giannis Adenacumpo. And thus, the Bucks now trail in the Eastern Conference semis two games to none. And the Miami Heat have the upper hand, obviously, in this one. And Bucks just looking for some kind of energy. Uh, welcome back. It's the Milwaukee Basketball Hour. Sidney Moncrief joining us now on the Network at, uh, Health Hometown Advantage Hotline. Sid, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. How are you doing? Could well, be doing we're better. Yeah, I was going to say, we're doing okay. Yeah. We got optimism, right. and it, it's not over yet, but... Man, uh, let's let's start with uh, first and foremost uh, that foul last night because it seems like the world thought that uh, you know Davis has got to swallow the whistle, right? Oh no, that's a foul. It's no reasonable that was a foul? basketball person was. There's no reasonable basketball person would say that's not a foul, especially if you're playing the game and you go up for a shot and someone puts their hand on your body, then that's a foul. I'm a Bucks fan and through and through, but that was definitely a, a, a legitimate foul. So what do you see right now with the Bucks that as a as a player and somebody who's studied film and looks at this what do you think is ailing them right now? I think they faced a team that is just really playing their best basketball at the right time. Number 1. Let's give Miami a lot of credit. Uh they're just playing lights out. They're moving the basketball, they're shooting well, their defense is very good. Uh, they're on paper as good as Milwaukee. On paper, they are as good as Milwaukee. In addition to, they have two or three players that can make plays down the stretch off the dribble, which the Bucks don't seem to have right now. And so let's let's say that's number one. Number two, which could be number one, the Bucks miss not having home court. Of all the teams that I've seen play, if the Bucks had home court right now and everything was normal, they would be up 2-0. But they really need the energy from the crowd in Milwaukee to push them to better levels, greater levels, and they haven't had that. Now, I know other teams haven't either, but it has certainly impacted the Bucks, in my opinion, more than the other teams. It seemed like when they got down to the bubble, it, you know, look, uh, the Miami Heat have kind of the same record, very similar 
to what the Bucks had coming into the postseason. But since the postseason's gotten underway, Miami hasn't lost a game. So, and the Bucks have struggled at times. So I'm looking at this Miami Heat team and, and seeing the rhythm that they're getting, the chemistry that they're getting. Uh, the Bucks seem to be searching for that. Sid, last night I was talking about switch-offs and guys not communicating. I was talking about fighting through screens. And, and really, this is a team that plays their defense to really kind of start that fast break and, and get their offense operating. And it seems like even on that end of the floor, they're a little dysfunctional right now. Yeah, that's a very good assessment. I want people to totally understand what you just said. Miami swept Indiana just like like Boston would sweep us back in the 80s. So we swept them once. I mean, they're, they're just playing a high-level basketball. If you look at their talent pool and the, the versatility of the players, they're actually a little bit ahead of Milwaukee's players. I really think that way, especially in the key positions. And they seem to be in good rhythm. Uh, they, they, they appear to be quicker, faster, quicker to the rebound, quicker to the basketball. And the Bucks are playing hard. So let's not say that the Bucks are not playing good basketball. They're just not playing at the level that they need to play to beat a team like Miami. And Miami just, they're hot at the right time. But remember, this is a one-game series. At this point, win one game is 2-1. Win one game is 2-2. Win one game is 3-2. So it can turn very quickly, and we know that. But the way the Miami Heat's playing, the Bucks are going to have to do something pretty extraordinary to make that happen. Uh, as a player, going into this mentality-wise, when you're sitting there down two games to none, and I'm not saying you're into the must-win, but you're kind of feeling like you got to win, like this thing's starting to slip away from you, and you've been the best team all season long. It's tough. You can't just say we're going to flip the switch. So what do you try to do? Do you try to get back to your norm? Do you try to – because you, you know as well as I do, guys will try too hard, and it's like running in quicksand. It's, it's like things just go worse and worse and worse in the wrong direction for you. So what, what, what's your advice if you're sitting in that locker room with those guys? Lock the first two games out, number one and say, this is a one-game series that we have to win this game. It's a one-game series. That's the mentality you have to have. And then each player take it upon themselves to bring their best A game, A-plus game, to the arena that night. Don't look forward. Don't look back. Just stay right in the moment of winning that one game tomorrow. And then things will pressure shifts a little bit more on Miami. You win the next game. If you win, the, if you lose the next game, I, I just don't see a team coming back from 3-0. They can't 0-3. They can, but I just don't see that happening. Um, Coach Bud uh, talked a little bit about the bench and trying to get the bench involved as well. Steve Novak had just said, if you're some of the starters, if you're Middleton, if you're Bledsoe, if you're Giannis, when those guys come in, try to get them involved. Is that the way to kind of spark the bench? The bench is, every night it was like an unsung hero. You know that watching this team. Uh, and right now, you're you're not getting that consistency out of your, quote, bench mob. So is it when those guys come in, you got to involve them right away or you got to go do what you do, and if you're Giannis, if you're Middleton, if you're Bledsoe, if you're those starters, you still got to throw that team on your back. How do you massage that? If you're the best player, you throw the team on your back. But the one thing the Bucks have not done as well, and I know Coach Bud wants them to do, is get rid of the basketball when you're double team or when a player's open. Trust your teammate. That's where the bench players come in. But you never, in my opinion, ask a player off the bench to come in and do something that starters should be doing at a high level. 
However, the starters have to feel that, okay, if I'm double team or if I see a player open, I'm going to make that pass because I trust they're going to make a play. And that bench player must make a play. Right now, Miami's bench has been the highlight of the series. They played at a high level. They're playing hard. They're making shots. In this game, we can talk about defense all we want, but this game still comes down to making shots. You have to make the big shots at the right time. And the Bucks so far, have not been able to do that. Not saying they won't be able to, but they have not so far. Talking with Sidney Moncrief, Bucks great. And uh, i got to ask you, because you've got uh, a new book out, correct? Oh, I have, I'm, I've just signed a book for someone. Just Yes, I do. I have a new book out called The uh, Grit Factor in Embracing Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. Uh, we are all over this equity issue that goes beyond, that goes beyond just uh, voting. It's an economic issue, so we're trying to get people to to understand that relationship building and just seeing people as individuals and not as groups is one way to overcome some of these issues that we're facing. I know you're going to be at Waukesha told, Sports Card for a signing coming up as well. You're going to sign the book for some people too. Yes, I will sign the book. And you can go online to sydneymoncrief.com, buy the book. You will not be disappointed. The book is really about building relationships uh, we talk about emotional intelligence. We talk about what it means to be to have grit, which is growth, resiliency, integrity, and tenacity. And then we talk about uh, how to understand your emotions. So it's a very good, if I say so myself, it's a very good uh, read. And we, we ask you to go online and sydneymoncrief.com and buy your copy. Or buy your free. Two or three gifts. We got, uh, I hate to say it, but wintertime, Christmas time coming up. Waukesha Sports Cards are going to be there on September 16th. If people want to get out, get the book, uh, get it signed, and see you then. Uh, real quick, a quick synopsis before I, I let you go. Give me your thoughts going into game three. You said just block out everything else, go let it all hang out? Yeah, block out because it's not like the Bucks are not playing. It's not like they're not putting forth effort. It's, they're doing some things well. We have to find a way to get Miami, like you said, we have to get them off their rhythm because they're, they're, they're flowing too easily to right now offensively, and the Bucks have to find a way, to, a way to slow that down. And one way to do that is score baskets. You have to put pressure on your opponents where they have to feel. Uh, I used to like to say, even though defense is very central, when you score a basket two or three and the other team is not scoring, each position – each possession, they feel so much pressure to have to score the basketball. And the more pressure they feel, the lower their shooting percentages will be. And that's why teams open up these big leads on, on basketball teams. So I would say score that basketball, continue to play hard, and block what happened last two games out and what might happen past tomorrow's game. Just block it out and just play, play your game. There you go. Sidney Moncrief joining us, and uh, we certainly appreciate it. Sid, always a pleasure to chat with you. Hopefully the next time you and I talk, we're talking about uh, a lot of positivity out of the Milwaukee Bucks organization, okay? Uh, absolutely. Thank you very much. Appreciate it so much. There you go. Sidney Moncrief, the great Sidney Moncrief, uh, joining us on the Network Health Hometown Advantage Hotline. Network Health, the Hometown Advantage Hotline. And don't forget Network Health, your hometown advantage health plan. We're also brought to you by Kessler Diamonds, Wisconsin Athletic Hall of Fame, and Lammy Sports Management. When we come back, we're going to go inside the locker room and hear from some of the guys that make it all tick. Coming up next on the Milwaukee Basketball Hour. You're listening to the Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network. (laughs) 
It's the Milwaukee Basketball Hour. The Bucks trail in this series. They are down to the Miami Heat, two games to none in the Eastern Conference semis. Miami gets the 116-114 win over the Bucks yesterday. And uh, Giannis, 29 points. Chris Middleton, 23. Coming off the bench, Kyle, or I should say uh, George Hill had 14. Uh, but you didn't get a lot. Kyle Korver was kind of the, uh, the, the bench mob assassin in game one. George Hill in game two. But you're not getting that consistent uh, double-digit kind of find out of a majority of your bench guys uh, as of right now. Coach Bud talks about the final minutes of the game last night. Uh, getting good looks and executing. Uh, but, you know, Chris making a play and getting fouled and getting the free throws and trapping the guy in the corner and getting the turnover and the steal. Um, you know, there's certain things we can we can improve on. Um, but... Um, you know, overall, I think there were some some good plays, both defensively and offensively, in the last 20 seconds. And I'm sure there's a couple things that uh, we wish went a different way. Now, Giannis in the ball game yesterday goes 10 of 18 from the field, had one from beyond the arc, it didn't drain it, but nine of 13 from the free throw line. He went four for five to start the game, five for eight in the second portion of it, but it was those two big misses that uh, when the pressure was on late in the ball game, that uh, really could have helped the Milwaukee Bucks over the top in this one. But uh, when it comes to Coach Bud talking about his MVP and his superstar, he said, look, Giannis, uh, not a lot of coaching when it comes to Giannis. He just keeps – he needs to keep doing what he's doing. You know, he's got to be aggressive, make plays, um, get to the basket, uh, you know, hopefully get to the free throw line. There's a lot of contact when he's driving. Um you know, so I don't feel like you know he's he's being Giannis. Um, and as far as getting back into it in the second half, you know, I just think we kept getting after it defensively. Um, you know, we were competing; both teams competed at a high level. It was, it was you know a heck of a playoff game, um, and we just got to be better for more of the forty-eight minutes uh, in Game Three. Giannis, twenty-nine points, fourteen boards, three assists, had a couple of turnovers. He did limit the turnovers in this contest as far as the dribble drive. Didn't get it swatted away nearly as much. Was able to kick it out a little bit more. Also uh, got between the uh, the three-man front that they were throwing at him a couple of times and played a much better all-round basketball game, but just needs to hit some shots, uh, some free throws down the stretch. Chris Middleton, on the other hand, he's 6 of 15, 11 for 12 from the free throw line, but he also struggled from the outside. He was 0 for 3 beyond the arc 23 points is what he dropped had eight assists turned the ball over only three times the bucks actually limited their turnovers to 14 total as a team it's just that they only cleaned up 10 turnovers from the miami heat they weren't able to really get into fast break opportunities because of it but uh, when it comes to Giannis, uh, he said look uh, he wants to play more minutes the you know as much as he loves the bench and, and loves getting a little bit of a, a breather he, he him chris middleton they want to play more than 40 minutes we're going to do whatever Coach Bad tells me to do. Um, that's what I've been doing all year. Obviously, I love to play 48 minutes, uh, but, you know, he sees the game. He coaches the game. So, he's going to do whatever he tells me to do. So, he just said, look, I'm just I'm just doing what he tells me to do. No, no big deal. Uh, then he did talk uh, about that final play, that, uh, that foul on Jimmy Butler. You know, the ref said that there was contact there. Uh, maybe there was. Uh, I got to watch the play. Um, you know, it is what it is. Um, Try to contest the shot, but you know, he said there was a contact there. So, it is what it is. I got to watch. I got to watch the play. 
Also, Giannis, uh, after the ball game, thought, you know, hey, look, uh, you know, w- if you had to do it over again, would you? And he said, look, I thought I made the right play. I feel like uh, personally it was the right play. I've done this uh, multiple times in my career. Um, you know, when the guy's dribbling and he's getting his rhythm uh, going, like you get, he got four seconds, he's not going to pass the ball. He's going to shoot the ball. Uh, so, yeah, I'm just going to look at the play, see if it was the right play. So there you go, Giannis after the ball game. The Kessler's diamond in the rough stat of the week. Uh, the Bucks late comeback. Uh, they ended up, you know, they look, they were trailing in the majority of this game at points in double digits and then finally got this thing back to tie. Chris Middleton hit three clutch free throws to give the Bucks that chance to force overtime near the end of regulation before the foul occurred on Jimmy Butler. And ultimately, we know what happened. Uh, that's the uh, Kessler Diamond in the Rough stat of the week. Visit Kesslersdiamonds.com to find a location nearest you. The next show for the Milwaukee Basketball Hour coming up next Thursday, next Thursday, September 10th. Don't forget to follow us on social media everywhere at MKE B Ball Hour. That's at MKE B Ball Hour. You can find us uh, all over. Uh, and uh, hopefully, the next time we talk about uh, this Bucks team when it comes to the Milwaukee Basketball Hour, we're talking about a team that uh, has a couple of wins under their belt and not the last one of the season because we'll find out soon. We'll find out soon. Bucks back at it again tomorrow night trying to get back uh, in this series to at least give themselves some breathing room. Uh, but the Bucks uh, trail this thing now two games to none. And don't forget the ominous stat. When they start off 0-2 in the series, the Bucks as a franchise all-time 0-18. A very ominous stat. The Bucks are looking to change. That's it. Hey, for Steve Novak, Sidney Moncrief, I'm Bill Michaels. This has been the Milwaukee Basketball Hour. Thanks for taking a listen to us. We appreciate it. Talk to you soon. See you. Sports Talk Network. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.